So uh, I hope that in the course of time you can personally study out this book of Romans and uh, really get deeper. Let's start with a word of prayer and then we'll jump in. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that uh, we get to have your word right in front of us. God, the very word that your Holy Spirit spoke through Paul. And God, that we get to read it, God, that we have, I think I have about 10 Bibles in my household. (laughs) And then plus the phones and the access that we have to the word of God. We want to thank you for the word of God. Lord, help us not take it for granted ever. Help us to not think that we know the word of God. But God, we're always just swimming in the vast ocean of our faith, God. Lord, so deep that there's no way we could ever get to the end of it, God. So wide and so rich with wisdom and knowledge and really your love letter to us, God, that to understand it, uh, it takes prayer. (laughs) Lord, and we're, we're grateful that, God, our faith is simple, but at the same time, it's so incredible. So wise, so vast. God, help every heart right now, Lord. Open their minds, open their hearts so they can understand the scriptures. Lord, I know that's not my job. That is primarily the Holy Spirit's job. And Lord, help us to to, to pay attention to the words of God. Not my jokes and not my anecdotes, but God, the very words of God, we pray that we could get it in our hearts what justification really means, Lord. The rightness with God. Help us to feel that joy as it hits us and penetrates our heart that we're justified and that we're right with you, God. And God, help us, if we're not right with you, to to throw off all the fear, throw off anything that hinders and run to Jesus. Because, Lord, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's no cost. Lord, the only cost is missing out on this amazing grace. Lord, you know better than this world. You're greater than anything in this world. And we know your ways are better than anything that the world teaches or preaches to us, Lord. Help us to trust you with all our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, um, today's message is simply called Justified. Justified. And, and as I read Romans 5, that's what kind of came out. The word justified just constantly gets spoken from Paul. And for me, I didn't grow up religious at all. I didn't know any of these spiritual words like sin. I thought that was a bad thing. You know, grace. I didn't know what that meant. You know, uh, I didn't understand what some of these were. And justified was certainly a word I didn't understand at all. It was, I know it was Justin Timberlake's uh, CD title. But other than that, I didn't know anything about what justified really meant. And I love this little uh, picture. No Jesus, no peace. And then you look at no Jesus, no peace. And it's interesting. that, That really hit me. That... This justification gives you peace that the world could never offer. To really have peace, guys, it's, it, it, means it has true peace, true spiritual peace. doesn't come from the environment. 
doesn't come from your circumstances. You know, you ever meet someone who is going through chaos and challenges, and yet they still have this peace about them. And it's past his understanding. And I believe if you understand this word justification through Jesus, and you really understand it, you can have true peace in your life forever, no matter what's going on. Amen? You know, Paul had this peace about him, right? Paul was going through so many challenges and so many things, but he had the peace of Christ. And it's because he understood what justification meant in Christ. Justified. This is the word. It's spelled wrong. But um, now it's spelled right, amen? Um, Just notice that. Um, See, I didn't know that word. I couldn't even spell it right. Now I spelled it right. But what's this word mean? In the Greek, it, it, it means declare pronounce one to be just, righteous, such as he ought to be, to render righteous or such he or she ought to be. What does that even mean? To declare someone righteous, it, it, it's, it's actually a, a court, um, courtroom talk that if someone's justified, they are found not guilty, they are found righteous in front of the court. And so, The problem is we're not righteous. We're not justified. And if you read Romans 1 through 3, you realize everyone cannot declare themselves righteous before God. Everyone has sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? And yet all can be justified freely by His grace. What does this mean to be justified? Um, it, it It never means to make worthy, meaning... That God doesn't just make you worthy, kind of through this, but it actually means that you're judged with the perfect judgment of Christ and God as righteous. So it doesn't mean, oh, well, look over that, or I feel sympathetic towards you, so therefore I'm going to kind of twist the rules around and and overlook that, because our God is perfectly just, amen? So he has a problem because sin can't be in his presence, and yet we're sinners, And so what does he do? This is the letter of Romans. This is really the first part of Romans that he's addressing. So it's essentially that he judged us as worthy of heaven. I'm just going to say that again. Through Jesus, God can judge us as worthy of going to heaven. And not just going to heaven, but reigning in heaven. Wow, that gives me peace, doesn't it? To say that even though I'm a sinner, even though I messed up today, that I'm found justified and I have the very righteousness of Christ. Goodness, how in the world do you get that? That's all I have to say. When I first studied the Bible, and if you want to study the Bible, do it. Because you can have the righteousness of God forever in your life. And if you have the righteousness of God already, Have peace. Realize that this is all you need in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Um, So let's jump right into it. Justified through faith. And this word justified is what we're going to be talking about. And I'm going to explain it a little bit better than just the definition. Amen? Um, The word justified is a legal term. Behind the word is a courtroom setting In this case, God is the judge 
who has who has, has on the docket before him the guilt or innocence of every person that's ever been born. Paul's already made it clear that the guilt of humanity is not in question. We're all guilty, amen? Despite our clear guilt, God the judge declares his people righteous. This happens not only because God demonstrated his justice through the death of Jesus. When someone believes in Jesus, God gives that person the righteousness of Christ and in so doing so, declares them right before God. In other words, God declaring our innocence is not an exception to justice because justice was fully dispensed on Jesus when he was on the cross instead of on us. He took the death penalty, church, for us. He took the punishment that we are now avoiding. He took the condemnation for you. You were Barabbas. You were Barabbas. And instead of him rightfully going to the cross like he was supposed to, Jesus somehow took your place. Amazing. That's why the gospel is so amazing. That's why you have to run to the waters of baptism. You have to run. You have to get right with God. Because why wouldn't you? Well, I'm scared. What are you scared of? You're already condemned. You know, if you're talking to someone who's on death row, and I ask you, hey, do you want to get out of here? The guy's not going to say, I'm scared. What's out there? I really want to die. No one says that. No one says that. Why? Because they just want to live. Amen? Amen. You know, on the day of their execution, if you say, listen, there's a way to get out of it. Someone else can take your place. He might be a little confused. She might be a little confused. But they're going to say, let's go. Let's go right now. Satan tries to scare us because he knows the eternal life that we can just grab anytime we want it. Amen? Amen. And the eternal life is still us, is still ours. And he also... Guilts the Christians out. That's kind of messed up, huh? To make us think that we somehow are not right with God after we've gotten right with God. What a foolish thing. And that's why we need to study the book of Romans. Amen? Amen. That's why we have to understand this. Amen? Amen. Think about this. Because God's people have been justified by faith, they they have eternal life and eternal peace with God. If someone can only have peace with God through faith, then the opposite is also true. That you cannot have true peace without having a relationship with Christ. True peace. And I would challenge anyone to see where are the peaceful people without Christ. You know, other religions, they will say, they will appease your conscience. They will... Make your, they, will, they will make you feel better about yourself, but they won't address the problem of sin. And the thing that I always think about in every faith and religion now is where's the justice? God just, in every religion, overlooks some things if you do some good things. But I, give you, I, I ask you the question, if God is perfectly just, where's his justice? And in many ways, 
through Jesus, he helps us understand this justice. Amen? Amen. So we're going to jump in, and I think we're going to go rather quickly. And so hold on to your Bibles, because we're going. Verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hoping. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. My first real point in here is we are justified through our faith. Not by our works. Not by how good you are. Not by how good of a Christian you are. You will never be justified by that. You will never be justified by what you do. You can only be justified through trusting. And I use that word trust because I think it's a better word for faith. In our world, faith is intellectual. But real faith, as we talked about before, is a verb. You ever do a trust fall? They don't call it a faith fall. They call it a trust fall. Why? Because you really have to trust the person when you start falling. How do you know if someone doesn't trust? They buckle their knees and they don't let you catch them. You have to do that with Jesus in your life. You have to fall. There's no works in falling. All it is, is you let go. And that's the hardest thing for some of us to do. But why is it hard with a God who made the universe with his voice? And why is it hard to trust a God who always comes through with what he says? Name me one time God's word didn't come true. Name me one time when God was a liar. You can't. Even Jesus says, can anyone prove me of sin? Have I ever lied? He always said, I tell you the truth. He's perfectly trustworthy. What is faith? What is trust? It's taking God at his word. And I don't know about you, but I think he deserves that trust. You know, you can forgive people, but you can't always trust them. But guess what? Our God is trustworthy. He always comes through with what he says. You know, by faith and trusting Jesus, we can be in a right relationship with God. And that faith and trust happens when we surrender our lives and trust God. And then we repent. We repent. It's funny. I say we repent. God grants us repentance through trusting. And because of that trust, we then get into some water and are baptized. And then we come out with the righteousness of Jesus, clothed with Christ. I don't know about you, but that's awesome. You know, by trusting God, we don't have to worry about being good enough, skinny enough, financially secure enough, and all that other hogwash that the world teaches. 
Before Jesus came, no one could get close to God. But through his death, both Old Testament and New Testament, before Moses, after Moses, after Jesus and before Jesus, we all are justified because of that one death. Amen? Amen. And we are justified by his resurrection. And that's what he's saying here. And he's saying essentially that we stand in this grace. And that we stand, not meaning that we stand, but we are just in the grace. We can't ever leave the grace. It's there. It's there for us to have through faith. Amen? Amen. And so we are overcomers, church, because of that peace. What else do we need to earn in this life? Nothing. What else can shake us, church? Nothing. You realize if you understand Romans 5, you can suffer and be an absolute overcomer. You know, I think about what it says here. It says that um, in in chapter 5, verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. I don't know about you, but it's like, yes, I'm suffering. I mean, that's kind of a funny thing to say. I glory in my sufferings. You're like, okay, what's up with that guy? That's what he says here. Why? Well, he says that because suffering produces endurance, that's what that word means, perseverance. Perseverance, character, which is the same word that you use to take metal and put it through the fire. What is character, church? Character is purification of your soul. Of the impurities and sin that you have. And the only way to purify metal is to put it through fire. So how do you purify souls, church? The sufferings of fire. And if you just put metal in and you don't leave it in there for a while, you just pull out quick, nothing ever happens. You have to endure. And that's why God allows us to go through sufferings. Is so that we can be purified into the character of Christ. As they say, the, how does the metal worker know when, it's, when that sword is ready to go? You could ask Jesse this question. He has to see the reflection of himself in that sword. That's when we're ready, church. When God sees himself in us. Because we'll be like him, Amen. I love Beethoven. When he lost this, the hearing, this word endurance, Beethoven was threatened with deafness. And they asked him, what are you going to do? How are you going to do music? And he says, I will take life by the throat. I'm like, Beethoven, man, he's fired up. And obviously he kept on making amazing. That's endurance. Endurance is not like, oh, I'm just kind of going to wait this out until it gets better. It's saying I'm going to overcome through this suffering. I'm not going to be, you know why? Because Jesus made me righteous. And so I can suffer. And actually, I've learned, as the, this one gentleman said, I don't like crisis, but I like the opportunities in which it supplies. You know, I don't like crisis either, but when crisis comes, church, when suffering comes, I want to encourage you with something. You are justified. And because you're justified, nothing can hurt you. And therefore, 
let the fire purify my heart. Amen? Amen. And that fire purifies hope. You know what encourages me a lot? Is that the Bible says that when we go to heaven, we will be like him. And I'm seeing myself every year, not, not, you know, not in an easy way, not in a clean, you know, really uh, without fumbling and stumbling way, but I'm becoming more like Jesus. And because I'm becoming more like Jesus, I'm realizing I'm becoming closer and closer to my Lord. It's awesome. That's what gives us hope because God's love fills up our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Don't you feel God's love even as I preach the word? That love helps you be stronger than any other living person. It's not us who are strong. It's not because we're great. It's because when we were baptized, God's Holy Spirit was in us and poured into us the unfathomable love of God that never stops pouring into us. Amen? Amen? That love can make me do anything. I can grab life by the throat. I can go through any suffering because my God is with me. Amen? Amen. And my God has called me righteous. That's why we are justified through faith, and that's why we can go through challenges. Amen? Amen? Next thing. We are justified not by just our faith. We are justified because he loves us. You know, it's great to have faith and trust in God, but how did this even begin to happen? It's because God loves us, amen? Amen. Verse 5, verse 6, I mean. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died from the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for ungodly, uh, die for the righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, amen? I mean, it's hard to not like this Scripture. It's shared a lot at communion messages. I sometimes think Scriptures can be so heard and so used that we don't value them. Right. And I have to say, in a shameful way, sometimes I've looked at the scripture and said, yeah, yeah, I know what it says. But let's look deeper into it, church. It says, while we were powerless, do you realize you were powerless to be saved? That takes away all good. People ask, are you getting to heaven? They say, I hope so. I've been a good person. Wrong. You're powerless. I'm powerless. Once something is unrighteous, it can never get righteous without the blood and love and sweat of Jesus Christ. You know, so stories help me a lot to understand this story. And one story that really helps me is this guy named Lawrence of Arabia. And there was a story where he was in the desert and there was not a lot of food and they were going through this desert. And they look at someone, look at, like check everyone's camels and one's camel's empty. And this guy named Jasmine is gone. <laughs> and they're like, what happened to him? Where did he go? Who's Jasmine? People didn't even know who he was. 
Oh, he's a servant. He's a criminal. He's worthless. Leave him behind, Sir Lawrence. We need to keep on going. He is a criminal. He has done crimes, and he's just come along for the ride. Lawrence Arabia turned around and went back to look for him. And when he found him, he was being murdered by the desert. He was delirious. He was lying down in the sand about to die. And Lawrence took the last part of his drink and gave it to him, put him on his camel, and brought him back. And his men were mad at him because he, Lawrence of Arabia, who was so helpful in World War I, was sacrificing his life for someone who was worthless. We are that jasmine. We are those people. What's it say in Romans 3, verse 12? All have turned away. They have all together become worthless. Wow. But not to Jesus Christ. You are loved. You know, the world might look at you as worthless. The world might see you as not that important. But to Jesus, you are the most important person. You are loved. God proves his love for this, that we, while we were still sinners, even though we might never come to faith, he was excited about the chance that you'd be in this room hearing this message. And that maybe, just maybe, you'd love him back. That was enough for him. Isn't that crazy? You know, it's like in my neighborhood, if, if my neighbors all egged me and did other things that we can't talk about at church on my doorstep and different things like that, and then they were all going to die if I didn't sacrifice one of my sons. Are you kidding me? The answer is no. And they might not even ever thank me, and they might not ever know that I did this but that I would still do it that they might say sorry and change their ways and have a relationship with me, that they might. This is why we're justified, church, because Jesus, he had the choice. He says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. No one takes it from me. Don't, don't think that Pilate crucified Jesus. Don't ever think that the Romans crucified Jesus. He laid it down on his own accord. But I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The father gave Jesus the choice. We can end it right now. You don't have to do this. In the garden, that's why he was suffering. Because he had the impossible choice. You or is the connection to his father? And he chose you. He chose you. He chose me. That's why we're justified, church. Amen. My trust fall was pretty cool. But how about his trust fall? How about his trust fall for us? Jesus falls and 
Some people don't catch him. Some people don't even know he's falling. And he keeps on falling for us, church. Because he loves us. Amen? Amen? We're justified by his blood. Let's keep reading. Verse 9 through 11. It's getting exciting. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we are God's enemies, we are reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through this life, through his life? Not only in this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This word reconciliation is another spiritual word that I didn't know. It means a change in attitude in a relationship with someone. You know, when you say you're reconciled with someone, you had animosity toward that person. And then your attitude changed in that relationship. You can forgive someone, but not be reconciled. Kind of an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. They go together most of the time, amen? But you can forgive someone, and your attitude toward them isn't changing. You can forgive an enemy, but you can't always be reconciled with that enemy. Because both attitudes need to change, amen? But through Jesus' blood, we've been reconciled, amen? justified by his blood the blood the precious blood of Jesus Christ in fact the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness you know Jesus just had a guillotine happen to him if Jesus had lethal injection or if Jesus had poison he just drank it would we be forgiven church it's a great question I say no That's why he was flogged and crucified. Because there was a lot of people that needed forgiveness. In history, there's never been ever anyone that I know that had been flogged and crucified. Look it up in history. I tried to. Who's been flogged and crucified ever before in the Roman Empire? It's funny that Jesus might be one of the few. Because his blood needed to be shed for us. Amen? You know, and it's because we were an enemy of God. Do you realize that before you accept the gospel, you're an enemy of God? I don't know about you, but that's not fired up. I can be an enemy of a lot of people. But God? No. I know who's losing that war. If I go up against God, I'm losing. Before we even start the war. What's going to happen? He's going to show up in the very presence of him. I will be destroyed. It's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And Jesus knew that. And that's why he reconciled us through his blood. You know, Prince said, let's go crazy, right? That song. And he says one thing. He says, electric word life. It means forever. And that's a mighty long time. And he says, life means forever. And I thought about this word life. It never meant to end in God's mind. Adam was never meant to die, church. And we're never meant to die. 
But because we, we have made ourselves enemy through our sin, we're cut off from that life support that's supposed to be forever. Because of one man, we are now condemned to death. But the next part of this passage is kind of fun. Because of one other man, we can be justified. Amen? Amen. We can be adopted. We can be transformed into this through his blood. But with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Because of his blood of the last Adam, amen, we can now be justified, amen? We're justified by faith. We're justified by his love. We're justified by his blood. And lastly, we're justified by the man, Jesus Christ. By the man. I love that. By the man. What a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. You know that song? It's supposed to be for another man and a woman, right? But what a man. What a man. What a mighty, mighty good man. What an amazing man. Jesus Christ was and is. He was a man, church. He was a God man. He was 100% man and 100% God. He was the man. He even said it in scripture. I'm the man. You know? He's the man. He's the last Adam. You know, I don't know about you, but when I read Genesis and I go to the first two chapters, I start to get frustrated because I know what's coming. The fall. Let's read about this fall in verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and gift that came by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ, overflowed in many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned to that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law has brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteous to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Drop the mic, Jesus. Are you kidding me? 
I don't know about you, but I get so frustrated when I'm like, don't eat the fruit, Adam. Don't do it. And he does it every time I read Genesis. Every funeral I think about Adam, every death that happens, I think about that stinking fruit that he ate along with his wife. Don't eat the fruit. Sometimes I have a hard time believing that someone, something that someone did 2,000 years ago affects my life. Why did Jesus, I didn't know the guy, I wasn't even in the same error. How does that affect me? And I, I even doubt sometimes, church. Like how can this one man's death mean something to me? And I believe scripture, so I just hold on to that. But this was, it was so encouraging, this part of scripture for me personally, because something happened a longer time than 2,000 years ago that is deeply affecting us. And that's Adam. Adam's sin has affected us so much that all of us are going to die. Church, are you going to die? Yes. If Jesus comes back, you won't. But you're going to die. Why? Because Adam ate that fruit and it cursed us. It brought us into a land of sin. It brought death and sin into the world. Not that we're born with. No, Paige is looking at her little baby right now. What a beautiful little baby Johnny is. He is perfect. No sin. They're going to try to raise that baby so well and try to do their best they can to teach him about what's right and what's wrong. But guess what Johnny's going to do? Johnny's not going to be good. He's going to be bad. He's going to need Jesus. And we were once all Johnnies and Jillians because of Adam. And this is what excites me, church. If that's what the spiritual laws bring about in this world, one man's righteous act overflows to many. So much so that, that his death on the cross is present for me. It's present for Rahab the prostitute. It's present for the person thousands of years after me. It's present. Amen. Just as much as Adam's sin is present in your life. Right. As you get older, you'll know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> your body feels cursed sometimes. <laughs> We were not meant to be cursed. We were meant to be immortal, church. And we, we shall because of the one man, Jesus Christ. Why are we justified, church? It's complicated. But not so much complicated. We are justified because of our faith, amen? Because we trust Jesus. We're justified because of his love. There'd be no way we could trust anyone if he didn't love us. We're justified because he spilled his blood. And we're justified because the one man, Jesus Christ. Adam brought death, but Jesus brings life. Adam brought sin, and Jesus brought righteousness. Adam is from the law, and Jesus has fulfilled the law through grace. 
Condemnation was brought through Adam. But Jesus brought justification. Adam brought the flesh cursed in all its being. The ground above us and the sky above us is cursed. And the body of us is cursed. But through the spirit, we will live immortal through Jesus. Adam brought slavery to sin. Christ brought sonship. Adam brought bondage. Christ brings freedom. What a man. What a mighty, mighty, amazing, loving, incredible God-man. Jesus is. Run to him. Because the justification is waiting. Don't be afraid of it. Because in the end, it's the only thing that will bring you peace. Amen.